Good job, team. All the music did a great job. I appreciate it so much. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Acts. I'll be there in just a few moments. I uh, was thinking, uh, thinking about the journey that we've been on, and uh, I was going to speak on uh, what happened uh, there with the children being shot and everything. And as I was going through it, I, I couldn't keep reliving it. So I just, I said, I'm not going to do that this Sunday. So yesterday morning, I put this together, and I hope that it would be a blessing to you. You know, uh, when you're a preacher, one of the goals in your life is to get going and do something for Christ, honor him, try to win as many people to Christ as you possibly can, try to build up a work. And uh, our first pastorate, we did that at Emmanuel, and uh, they're continued going on. And, uh, but uh, we got some fairly wonderful people that were saved, met so many wonderful people. Uh, went up between 2,000 2,500 at Emmanuel at that time, and God was good, and that's just the way you did ministry. My last year there, I began to uh, come be confronted with rightly dividing. And as that was taking place, my last year there, I began to see some of rightly dividing. And so I began to teach a little bit of that at Sunday school. And then, of course, we retired from there, and I started that evening, <laughs> great retirement, and uh, went to University Heights. That's where Kara was saved. That's where I was saved. I thought the people would love us, but I don't even think they liked us. But anyway, I was... <laughs> no, there's some great people there we love very much. And uh, we thank the Lord for the experience. And we were there two years. And we went somewhere from like 160. And I remember my last Sunday. And during that time, I was growing and growing in my faith in rightly dividing. And so uh, I remember the last Sunday there... Uh, it was a very difficult Sunday, of course. I told Carol, go stand over by the door, because when I say amen, I'm out of here. And, uh, uh, but somebody said, every time I see you walk in with a briefcase, I don't know if that's the end or not. So, but anyway, our last service, we had 998, that last service, yeah. So we grew that much. And so we were accustomed to having growth, having visitors, having ministry, and so on, everything like that. But then we started this work here, and you begin to realize it doesn't happen like that if you rightly divide the scriptures. Uh, you begin to see that growth is slower uh, because people have to rethink what in the world uh, does this mean, that mean, and so on, and so it causes and asks somebody to step back and say, listen, just think about this. What does the Bible say? And so they go to the Bible, and it's a process. And so you don't see the, the jumping numbers that you would like to see as a pastor or as a, a person who's in the trenches fighting for the work of God. But a lot of times it's more satisfying uh, in different ways. And I think... Uh, always as a person who believes in right division that you come to crossroads 
of your life, whether you're going to stand on it or you're going to turn your back on it in a sense or not stand on it. And I believe our great example is the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul gives us the great example and he tells us that as you lead this life with this gospel of grace new mystery program that was hidden, revealed to Paul, that you're going to have some rough times when you speak it. Uh, some of it's truth. Uh, we've always said life is not fair. It's not a cakewalk. And especially those who believe in dispensations. The Apostle Paul himself said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, 16, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And by the way, that word chief there doesn't mean that he's the worst of sinners. Although he was bad, it means he was the chief, the, the head honcho, the one first in line. That's what it means. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And so Paul was the first. He's the pattern that we follow. And just bear with me right at the beginning, then I'll get into some application here. But notice when Paul preached and the Lord revealing new truths to him, okay, no longer was he following law, now he was following grace. And notice, if you would, the blessings in Acts 13, 43. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God, God's blessings. But then notice Satan. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. That's a good thing. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. The moment Paul began to teach and preach truth, bam, Satan was right there. He hates the truth, doesn't he? Amen. Acts 13, 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. That's blessings. But then there's Satan in verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their coast. There was truth, blessings, and then attacks. And then Satan in Acts 15.1 says this, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Satan was bringing religion in. Paul said this in verse 2, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that 
Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about the question. And then it says in verse 4, And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church, the Messianic church, and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. Boy, he's just testifying. It's a blessing. And then Satan in verse 5. Verse 5, it should be. And there rose up some of the Pharisees that believed and said, you must be circumcised to be saved. So the moment, right there, certain of the, uh, the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. So the moment the truth was there, what? Satan attacks, right? Are you following me? Now just a few more if you don't mind. Here's the blessing, Acts 16.1. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple uh, was there named Timotheus, Timothy, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek. And verse 3, him would Paul have go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Verse 14, and a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard, uh, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she should attend unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Here's Paul. He's blessed, got a young protege. He's got somebody he's going to mentor, loves God. And while they're on their ministry, on their, uh, their journey, and they're doing their ministry, bam, there's a wonderful lady, a uh, sales lady of purple, Lydia, and she gets wonderfully saved. That's blessing, isn't it? Then, Satan in verse 19. Fella, fella, fellas. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they sought Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates and uh, saying, these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And verse 22 and 23, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the, the jailer to keep them safely. So here they are. They're a blessing. All of a sudden, a few people turn the entire group of people into a mob. And they take Paul. And they beat him one of those times with the stripes. I'm going to skip the rest of the verses, guys, if you don't mind, uh, on, in the Acts thing. There are several other times that Paul, he goes out and God blesses him. And in spite of those blessings, it would seem that people would be happy. It's just like you. You pray for somebody or, you know, you yourself, you've been a rascal and you finally, the light of the gospel breaks through and you get wonderfully saved. And it seems like sometimes family members get upset with you. 
I said, wait a minute. I just had all my sins forgiven. I'm a child of God. I'm going to heaven. I have the truth. Seemed like you'd be happy for me. But a lot of times it doesn't go that way, does it? They begin to ostracize you a little bit. They begin to look at you funny. Because now they need to do something with their life. And you're convicting them. Amen? So the question is, why did Paul suffer doing this? Today there are many believers who are embarrassed and ashamed of Christ and his given message to Paul for today's gospel of grace, mystery, dispensation. Paul actually calls his message according to revelation. God gave Paul revelation that had never been given to anybody before. And he began to share that new truth as he ministered. To me, it seems as if so-called Christendom. Today, they hardly stand up against humanism, modernism, the new apostolic reformation, seeker world-friendly mindset, emergent rewriting of truth with error, entertainment infiltration of the church, little standing up to charismatic fanaticism, or don't stand up against fleecing of believers of their money, not so much anymore against cults, heretical, satanic doctrines. It doesn't seem like Christianity is standing up against these things today for some reason. But it's interesting to me that they often attack dispensationalists. And I've asked myself, isn't that, isn't that ironic? Because, now let me just tell you what we believe here real fast. We believe the verbal inspiration of scriptures. We believe the King James Bible is the very word of God. I mean, we believe that with all our hearts. We believe that Jesus Christ is God's eternal son. He's always been the son. He became flesh by way of the virgin birth. We believe he lived a sinless life. That he died on the cross for our sins in our place, in our stead. He was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Dead, buried. But three days later, he rose up from the grave alive in a glorified body. Amen? Because of his work, we believe salvation is by grace through faith in Christ's death, burial, resurrection as sufficient enough to save us if we will believe it in our heart. I'm coming to you, God. I know I'm a sinner, but I'm so grateful you died for my sins. I believe who you are. I believe what you've done. Your death, burial, resurrection. God, it's enough for me to save me. God, I believe. And when I believe that for myself in my heart, that's when I'm saved. And when believing this, it's at that moment the Spirit of God places us into the spiritual body of Jesus Christ. That spiritual union, he places us 
in. At that moment also, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit until he takes us home, giving us eternal assurance of eternal life. We don't question where we're going. We know where we're going because we believe what God's word says. We also believe that soon Christ, and sooner than we think, and Bob Shalato's watching, Bev, if Bob's watching, hang on, it's going to be soon we're going to be caught up and meet him in the air. And at that moment then, he will take us to heaven, our eternal dwelling place. We believe those things. Matter of fact, we believe those who don't believe in the gospel only for their salvation, when the rapture happens, at that time, they will have to go into the nightmare of the tribulation. And boy, they won't have much fun there. And perhaps they might eventually go on to an eternity in a place called hell. Somebody says, hell, isn't that old-fashioned? Well, yeah, it is. The sun. Water is old-fashioned, but we can't live without them. Amen? And we can't live without the truth of what God says. But let me just say the differences. We cordially, we respectfully disagree with some things that's within Christendom. And when I say cordially, uh, respectfully, we're not saying these people are not saved. We're not saying they're bad people. We're not saying any of that. We just disagree on a couple of things. But remember all the things we do believe. We ought to be brothers in arms. Amen? We should be. But we disagree dispensationally because we believe the Apostle Paul is our apostle. Not the twelve. Now, we can get some application of how they lived their lives, I understand that. But they were not sent to us. They were sent to the little flock, the people of Israel. Paul is our apostle. We believe the body church began with the salvation of Paul since he was the first. We believe baptism ceased with Israel's signs. We separate Israel from the body of Christ. So we know that the majority of Christendom doesn't. We know and we believe that God is not done with Israel. He has a purpose and a plan he will fulfill. She will go into that kingdom one day. So what I've just said, this means we interpret Scripture literally and dispensationally. We look at the dispensation of innocence. Adam and Eve sinned, but God didn't throw them away. He shed blood, an animal's blood. 
And he created then the next dispensation of conscience. But man began to go around doing everything in his own way. Evil. And God had to destroy the world by a flood. Eight people. Noah and his family survived in the ark. And God created a new dispensation at that moment called government. The dispensation of government. But man again didn't want God to rule or rule over them. As a result of them, they built this great Tower of Babel. And it was there at Babel that God judged them. He says, it seems like in the world there's nobody who wants to love me, serve me, live for me. So he said, I'm going to create my own people. So he reached down and he touched Abram, who became Abraham. And he began the dispensation of promise. I promise your seed are going to be as the stars of heaven. I promise you will have a land for those people. It will be Israel. Later on, years later, as these individual Jewish people, these Hebrew people, are in bondage in Egypt, God takes them out, led by a man called Moses. And as a result of that, God gave Moses a new dispensation that was added to promise. Promise and law. The dispensation of law. But we know that Israel couldn't keep the law. Israel would not look like their father Abraham in faith. They looked at their tradition, the commandments of men, and all those things. And they said no to Christ. They blasphemed God. But God on the cross said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. And so he gave them another chance. Christ rose, ascended, sent the Spirit of God down. And as the Spirit of God moved in those uh, uh, Jewish men, the 12 apostles, they offered the kingdom to the nation of Israel if Israel would repent and believe that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. And they said, no, we don't want this man to rule over us. And they stoned Stephen, a man full of the Holy Ghost, representing the Spirit of God. They rejected the Father, they rejected the Son, and now they're rejecting the Holy Spirit. Complete rejection of the Godhead. And so God, still loving Israel, set them aside temporarily. And it was Israel who was to spread the truth so people could be saved through Israel's God. But they didn't believe. What in the world is he going to do now? He looked down and he saw the, one of the worst men on earth, Saul of Tarsus. And in grace in Acts 9, he touched him, saved him, chose him to be the apostle of the body of Christ. From the very beginning, Acts 9, 15. And thus started the dispensation of grace. Today, God's not condemning us. Today, God is reaching out in grace 
and mercy and love and says, look what my son has done for you. Come, believe it, and you'll have eternal life. Amen? And one day, we'll be caught up, but at that moment, at that moment, then God will return to the earth and set up his kingdom because he has not forgotten his nation Israel and Israel will believe that remnant will believe and they get to go in the kingdom those are dispensations because of this we follow Paul's pattern and as we follow Paul's pattern this truth we're attacked quite often we're often rejected ostracized we receive ungracious comments as if they're more spiritually mature than us usually not by using scripture but they give their opinion their denomination's creed even ridicule us you know much like our present administration who explains nothing to us amen Ben said, any preacher or believer who does not obey the commands of Jesus, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and early Acts, is a servant of the devil, is wrong, is in error. Let me just remind you, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be you followers of me, Paul says, even as I also am of Christ. Paul says, I follow Christ, so when you follow me, what I've written to you, you're following Christ. Then he goes on to state in chapter 14, verse 37, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. We do follow the commandments of Christ, just not commandments that are under law, but commandments that are under grace. Amen? And I would like to ask these people who say, oh, we follow Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, early Acts. Let me ask this question. Do you only go to the Jews? That's what Matthew 10 says you do. Do they sell everything they have and lay it down at the preacher's feet? That's what was commanded of them. They, don't, they won't need anything because they're going into tribulation. Do they baptize for the remission of sins? like Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 38? Do they pray for the kingdom to come on earth? We're not looking for a kingdom to reign on earth. We're looking for heaven. Amen. Amen? Do they forgive others that they themselves might be forgiven? And if they don't forgive them, they can't be forgiven? Do they practice that? Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Do they circumcise? Under law, you did. Do they celebrate Jewish feast? Do they practice or require signs? Jews require a sign. Do they go to the temple and offer sacrifice? They did. Do they tithe on everything? Do they follow the law? They did. So you want to follow the commandments that are in Matthew, Mark, Luke... John, the first part of Acts, you're following law. 
I don't know about you. I don't want to be under that. I'm under grace. I have freedom. I have liberty and love to serve Christ. Amen? Christendom has become somewhat like a parrot, parrot of denominations, man's traditions, the religious habit of following certain religious leaders. Thus, too much of Christendom, they become satisfied, comfortable, causing man to become kind of narrow-minded, prejudiced, resentful, resistant. They won't seriously, prayerfully search the scriptures to see if they might be mistaken about a couple of things about dispensations. (laughs) People are worried about what their family will say, what their friends will say. People are trying to protect their pride. So when we dispensationalists come along, like Paul did, and Paul was attacked, we're also attacked. We at that moment are in that pattern, (laughs) like Paul. At that moment, we're in a crossroad. We have a decision to make when that begins to happen to us. Will we remain faithful? Will we become a secret believer? Or will we even become fearful of what others might say, what others might do, that we're willing to be afraid to stand on Paul's message? Second Timothy 1, I'm coming down the stretch now. I know you want to go to the race. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. And the context, verse 8, says this. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, Paul. But be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 12 says this. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Amen. The majority will follow man's opinions, man's traditions, and the so-called experts. Years ago, a great preacher in England preached. His name was Joseph Parker, and he preached a sermon entitled The Stupidity of the Specialist. (laughs) I like that. Forgive me. I'm coming. This is my last point. A few verses, I'm done. Remember, the Word of God says this. Paul is our apostle, and he has given us a grace gospel revealed to him first. Galatians 1, 11 and 12. Galatians 1, 11 and 12. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it but by the revelation, the personal appearing of Jesus Christ. Christ personally told him the accomplishments of his death, burial, and resurrection, and they didn't know it until Paul came on the scene. You can quote all the scripture you want to. They didn't know it until Paul. Romans 2.16, he says this, 
in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my God. Wait a minute. Not the gospel that was revealed to the 12 in the gospels, but the gospel that was revealed to me, revealing to me how his death, burial, and resurrection was sufficient and satisfied the justice of God once and for all. Woo! Amen. Romans 16, 25. In the, notice this. Now to him that is powered to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation that Paul received of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. 2 Timothy 2.8 Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. <laughs> what I say about his death and burial resurrection, what he has revealed and shared to me about it. Paul even says, 1 Corinthians 3.10, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Now get this. I have laid the foundation and another buildeth on so on. Paul laid the foundation of the gospel of grace for the body of Christ. And that's something. And what is that gospel? 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Verse 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And what does his death and burial and resurrection produce? My last verse, Romans 14, 25. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. That's what the gospel does. They did not know that prior to Paul. They had to believe he was the Messiah. We believe he was their Messiah. We understand that. But today we believe he died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. And nobody will go to heaven unless they believe that gospel. That's the only gospel that can save a person today. Amen? So how many of you are happy in being one of these silly, rightly dividers? Let me see your hands. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Father, we love you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace, this dispensation of grace. Thank you for you choosing Paul. Thank you for the message we have. It gives life, eternal life. And may we never be ashamed of this message of grace. We love you. May we be faithful in Jesus' name. And everybody we said, hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.